Hello, you are listening to Homilies from Newman University Church, founded by St. John Henry Newman and the home of the Notre Dame Newman Center for Faith and Reason. Who would you, if it were your choice, not have at the table? Individually, we have individuals and types of people that we either don't like or don't find worthy. But even as societies and cultures, we do the same. In my own homeland, it's a long history of who are not welcome, who are not worthy of the city on the hill, the American dream. Whatever the current immigrant group was across history was the one that was most problematic, most despised. There were many, many decades where the Irish were not particularly welcome and well known are the signs in Boston, Irish need not apply in shop windows. It was tough for them to get a break But quickly, they joined the establishment, and then following them, especially in the Catholic realm, became the the Italians, and then the Poles. Even when I was a kid in a town that had those uh, groups that came through it in this little town, um, though they were kind of joking by the time I was little, there was still a reference to an Italian-Irish wedding as being a mixed marriage that um, it was not quite okay, even though everyone I knew was the son of or daughter of an Irish-Italian marriage. Then uh, in the little village of Housatonic, which was 2,000 people, which was part of my hometown of Great Barrington, uh, once the Italians became acceptable, the Irish and the Italians built a new church and left the old church, the old wooden one, to the Poles And so in my little town of 7,000 people, not Catholic, 7,000, there were three Catholic churches. See how they love one another. It is easy for us to create an other because it helps us to understand who we are. And today, as we look around, there are so many others, so many people it's easy to point to that are not quite worthy Again, in my own homeland, our southern border is the place of great tension and great fears of immigration from Mexican and Central American populations. But it's not just there. All across Europe, there is movements from Eastern Europe into Western Europe, from the Middle East, from North Africa, and real concerns about being overwhelmed by actual numbers and the need to care for people, but also fears based on culture and religion. And it's easy to create an other of the people who are either new or different. Who is it that we feel in our own heart of hearts and culturally do not have a place at the table? Jesus today, in some really harsh words, is acting out of a very typical Jewish, Israelite, 
mentality about a woman who was not Jewish. What's interesting is we hear in the gospel that Jesus goes into the territory of Tyre and Sidon. He is in non-Jewish territory. He is in Gentile or pagan territory. But the words on the lips of this woman are words that should be very familiar to us. Here the translation says, Sir, but it is commonly translated Lord. Lord, have mercy. In the Greek, it is literally Kyrie eleison. The same words we say at the very start of the liturgy. Lord, have mercy. And again, she kneels down before him and says, Lord, help me. The disciples are at wit's end. She's making a scene. She's shouting. She's drawing attention. And it's not really clear what they want. Lord, just give her what she wants. That's not a sense of do the right thing. Just get rid of her. But Jesus' words are harsh. I came for the Jews. I came for the house of Israel. And even harsher, it's not fair to take the children's food and give it to the dogs. There is no culture, no language, no place where that is not a put down. But this woman who says, Lord, have mercy on me, Lord, help me, is strong and she's feisty and she's somewhat witty. Even the dogs eat the food that falls from the table. Jesus' response is one of great compassion, but it's also one that simply points out the fact that despite her religious tradition, despite the fact that she's a Canaanite, which makes no sense because the people where she lived weren't referred to as Canaanites for almost a thousand years, because she was not Jewish, did not mean she did not know how to appeal to God and did not have great faith in the power of God to heal and to save. And that, in fact, he grants her wish because of her faith, the very faith he had not been finding in the people who were supposed to be at the table. The first reading we heard from Isaiah is a reading spoken to the people who had returned from exile as they were beginning to rebuild Israel after they had been crushed and the temple destroyed. And in that section of Isaiah, Isaiah is pointing out to the people that God is just and God is merciful. But that they now, as God's holy people, must take on the attributes of God. They must be just, then they must be holy, and they must be merciful. Today we walk as that living body of Christ in our world. We walk as the people of God. We are called to be just. We are called to be merciful. We are called to recognize in ourselves and to project the holiness which is God himself. 
a common phrase across history that has been used to describe the church and its role, its extra ecclesia, nulla solis. Often translated, outside the church, there is no salvation. And for centuries, this was used both as a motivating factor in evangelization, but an evangelization that often transformed itself into forced conversion and a little regard for the people, but more simply for their souls in the sense that they had become Catholic. A more nuanced interpretation is one that we get through the Second Vatican Council, through the Catechism, through Dominus Jesus, the 2000 Declaration from the, doctor, uh, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. And it probably translates better as without the church, there is no salvation, because it then speaks to the role that we're called to have, truly an evangelical role, one that reaches out to those who do not know the name of Christ and to spread it to them, to tell them who he was, to give them reason to enjoy the fullness of hope that exists in Christ, but also to recognize that if the longing for God is at the heart of every human person, every human person, regardless of religious tradition, faith background, or conviction, is motivated by God to long for God and to seek God, and in their heart of hearts, if acting rightly and justly, are moving towards God in all that they say and do. The more modern understanding of the role of the church in the world is that we are to be that leaven in the bread that explodes like yeast to cause it to rise. We are to be the reason why the salvation of God is known most fully. We are to be the healing hands the voice of compassion. We are to be the ones that reach out and notice those in need and strive to meet whatever need we can because that is what Jesus does. Jesus continues the long history of God coming into our world to tell us that true devotion to God, true love of God is not exclusive, it's inclusive. And it calls us always to break down barriers, to break down borders, and to create a world in which God's love is known ever more fully. This can't be taken simplistically. There are still boundaries and borders maintained by governments for good and legitimate reasons. There are reasons why we put up protective barriers but the impulse to care and to be concerned about whoever is the other in our midst is important, whether it be in the history of this country, those who identify themselves as Protestants or English or British, whether it be those who are considered travelers, whether it be people who are coming into this nation from Africa or Eastern Europe, whether it be simply those in our midst who have wandered away from faith and are struggling and need to know the fullness of God's love again, 
we are called to witness to the fullness of the faith of God, of our faith in God, but of the love and the mercy and the justice of God. We are called to be his voice, his hands, his hope. Jesus appears to be saying harsh words today because they are harsh and they represent a cultural and social limitation. But the end of the story is what's most important. He recognizes true faith, the longing for the love of God, the longing for mercy and healing. And he finds in the other person, the one who doesn't belong at the table, the faith he hopes to see in each and every one of us. He invites her to sit down. May we in our lives recognize that overcoming difference shouldn't be done indiscriminately, but needs to be done so that we can ever become that unity of creation that the church is here to help inaugurate. May we be up to the task of our baptism and open to the promptings of the Spirit that the world may come to know the love of God through knowing us.